Welcome to The Defiant Spirit, a podcast about meaning, purpose, and resilience. I'm Dr. Baruch Halevi, also known as B, and now let's discover your Defiant Spirit. So welcome back, everybody, to The Defiant Spirit. If you are joining me for the first time, I have a special guest in my office, my virtual office, um, who is not a first-time partner in this podcasting, but now I think we're up to our third or fourth episodes together, our podcast series together, and that is my friend Nancy Rose. Hi, Nancy. Hello, B. So if you don't know Nancy, go back and listen to previous podcasts, but she is the um, founder of Compass Rose Legacy. Did I just say that right? Compass Rose Legacy. Yes. And um, it is an amazing organization, nonprofit that she has started to, well, promote this and expand, I would say, this idea of legacy. You want to just um, just tell us a little bit more about that for first time listeners, and then we'll jump into our conversation. What is legacy? Yes. I consider um, myself a legacy doula. I work with those um, through the different tides of life. It doesn't necessarily have to be afternoon or evening of life, but people through the different tides of life, I work with them to honor the moment, to look at their legacy, discover their soul thread, and to curate their legacy that they can put together through photos and letters and archives um, and artifacts that they can have together and leave for generations to come. And uh, part of what legacy work is about and like being a legacy doula is, as I've gathered witnessing you and working with you, is helping people um, zoom out and take a sort of a, a larger, um, have a, a greater vantage point. You know, we get so caught up in our in our lives, our day-to-day lives. And then we, we you know, as they say, lose the forest to the trees and we don't see the bigger picture. And I can see one of the gifts that you bring to your clients and you bring to the people around you is this ability or this permission to zoom out and see the, well, again, the bigger picture. Is that, is that fair? Yes. And it really is. Um, I, I work with a lot. I'm an end of life doula, legacy doula. And with people in the afternoon and evening of life, why would they do this? It's because it, it, it it's a roadmap that shows you uh, that there has been meaningful moments in your life mm. and they should be honored and they, develop into your traditions and your values. And it's something to share with your loved ones and your community. <clears throat> For people at end of life, it's a, like a life review and it gives them, there's plenty of studies that have shown now lately that it, it gives them value. Um, the reason why, why, why was their life? Mm-hmm. One of the things that I love that you also do is, you know, you're helping certainly the person who is dying or transitioning to whatever's next to get there and to get there with a greater sense of purpose. Um, And again, that ability to sort of see it all come together. You know, Viktor Frankl talks about how we can't, we can only know meaning of the moment. We can't know the meaning of our life until the end when we 
look backwards. It's a retrospective. So I, I see the work that you're doing with them, but I also see the work you're doing with their their children or the survivors who are still in the meaning moments and helping them start to take stock of their meaning moments and put together the bigger picture of the meaning of their life. Is that also, would you say, something that's embodied in your work? Yeah, it's a big component. And as we call it, carry the fire to witness. I've heard of that. Yeah, it sounds familiar. <laughs> I know. <laughs> carry the fire of our loved ones, meaning holding on to their their once again, I keep saying values and traditions, but carrying that as a light that their memory goes forward. And I've worked with you and you've come up with an incredible program called Carry the Fire. And we work with those through their grief process and afterwards on how to make it more about life than it ever is about death. Mm -hmm. And that's how we do it, Carry the Fire. Um. Yeah, so this isn't, you know, it's it's certainly about death and it's about reimagining or as we say, flip the script on death um, so that it becomes meaningful and purposeful and something we look towards, not we look away from. But it's just as much about life as it is about death. I, I, I believe it's about the afterlife. I believe it's about fully being in life at the end of, you know, our time here. And that's what those are the things you help people do. But I also see it's about the living to not die, as I say, a second death. When their loved one dies, but to, um, well, it's um, Victor Frankl's second book, Say Yes to Life in Spite of Everything. And that's part and parcel of what I see you doing in this world. Yes. So let's get into one of the ways, you know, let's make it practical. You like tools. I know you're a big fan of tools, um, and as am I. And actually, if, if you've ever been to my tool shed, which you probably haven't because it's relatively new, but Nancy inspired me to create the tool shed, which is a virtual tool shed where you can go in and you can just check out my tools or tools that I've learned from, you know, people I coach and learn from like Nancy. Um, and so anyways, I want to make sure that we have legacy tools. And so one of those tools, it's already in the tool shed, but we're going to expand it and do another version of it, you and I, and that is the tool of, time, specifically two types of time. That's a lot of T's. Two types of time, Kronos and Kairos. You want to take us into that tool? Yes. I've, in the last couple of months, working with legacy and working with clients on legacy, realized I had to, to you know, we're all taught when we're young, the two different types of time, chronos, which is qualitative, um, quantitative, and then um, kairos, which is qualitative. And we're taught that when we're young, but it seems like we forget about it or it goes away because we live in a society right now that is basically chronos based, which means dates, times, when do I get to the next meeting? When's my next appointment? When am I having dinner with friends? It's all data. Or in my work, people are doing um, genealogy, which genealogy is really chronos. It's the dates, the times. And when I'm working with a client on legacy and how to discover their soul thread and curate their legacy, we're working 
in a qualitative time. I don't care when their ancestors were born. I don't care about the places. I care about my client and what their story is. And it's qualitative moments. It's Kairos moments that you find. And that's, that's how I'm working with it. So to give our listeners sort of an image, and I know you know this image, but it helps me and I think it helps you. Kronos, chronological, right, is linear. It's backwards and forward, even if that's fictitious because you can't show me where backwards is, where history is, where the past is. It's this fiction that we create so we can make sense of this complicated thing called time, but it's linear. And Kairos is circular. It's not forward or backwards. It's here. It's now. It's present. Um, and one of my favorite teachings, and I know, Nancy, you love this teaching too, comes from a man named Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, who was, uh, uh, he was once upon a time when he lived, he was the chief rabbi of England, Sir Jonathan Sachs. And he noted that in the Hebrew Bible, there is not a word for history. And if there's not a word for something, whether it's Hebrew or our, you know whatever language you speak, that means there's really not a concept for it. Right? We haven't put a word to it because there's no thing that it's describing. And so what he's saying is there's no thing called history because the Bible is not chronological. It's not, if you read it as chronos, you're going to come up short because there's a lot of holes in the chronos, the chronological, the data. It's a kairos experience. So practically speaking, what he says is there's no word for history. And whenever we're referring to what we might call history in the Bible, it's called memory, right? It's not happening to, and what he says is it's, the distinction is history happened to him. It's his story or it's their story, but it's not our story. It's not my story. And that's memory. So looking at something like the Bible, the Torah, from a perspective of Kairos would be looking at what's my, how is this telling my story? And I think what I heard you say is when you're working with somebody in legacy and their ancestors, it's, it is interesting to you, but from a perspective of how is it part of my story, not how is it part of his story? Is that, is that right? Yes. Yeah, and the Kairos, Kairos moments are those moments where uh, Oprah Winfrey would say, aha, it's your aha moment. Richard Rohr, who we know, Father Richard Rohr, who we both respect, and he's a Franciscan um, teacher. He describes it as also like an aha. It's oh my God, this is it. That's his quote. Oh my God, this is it. It's one of the closest things you can get to perfect. And that's, it's, he's talking about a moment that just transcends time. It's, it's a moment of great meaning to you. Um, a moment of grace. And so the work that we both do, both personally, I mean, I'm not, I don't just teach this. I try and I'm try and live it. It's not easy. We're all like, you know, works in progress, but is to look, we need, we, we live in a world of chronos. That's just the way it is. It's not bad. It's, it just needs to be balanced or, or held in a perfect union with Kairos. And I think of it as instead of, you know, if Kairos is a circle going around and around, 
Kronos is a line going forward. This is a synthesis of moving forward with chronological and, you know, checking the boxes and going out on those lunch dates with friends and whatever, but while doing it cyclically. So like almost like a spiral forward where there's a Kairos presence and there's a Kronos progression. Does that, does that make sense? Yes. And it's a, um, I think one of my, one of my, uh, roadblocks maybe in the last couple of months working with clients is how to really have them shift their mindset because everyone's so into chronos so into the dates the times and in the work I do you know the people the names the places the data and so I work with them and work with a client to shift more to a kairos perspective go ahead and go back to those data points, but what transpired there? What your inner it's, it comes from you inside your, the data points are the outer side. Kairos is inner. What transpired there? What was the moment? What was it that made you hold still for a moment? Took your breath away maybe Mm -hmm. for a moment. And it was a, it's most likely a transition or, or another event that happened in your life, but there's deep feeling underneath that. And that's Kairos. That's beautiful. This is, um, this is really fundamental to spirituality, to positive psychology. You know, there's a famous book by man whose name is even harder to pronounce than mine, Mihaly Skisen Mihaly. Um, And I would just call him M because that's why I ended up as B, um, is a book called Flow. And what he talks about in flow is that when we're in a flow state, it could be jogging, it could be, you know, at a sporting event, it can be making love, by the way. I think a lot of people don't realize one of the things they become addicted to, you know, if you become a sex sex addict or, or drugs. I hear a lot with psilocybin these days. You have to stand guard against finding kairos in things outside of yourself learning how to get into the flow, right? And this is the kairos. This is being fully present. You know, as an example, when people are having sex, isn't it interesting? They say the very thing uh, Father Richard War said, oh my God, right? <laughs> it's that moment of I'm not doing dishes in my head. I'm not picking up the laundry and making a list in my head. I'm present. The challenge is if you can only get present through things outside of yourself, then it's very hard to get back to Kairos. So the work you're talking about is learning how to get present and to be inside the experience. One last thing. I was just at Disneyland, unfortunately, um, over uh, winter break. And that's Ariella's happy place. I I call it the crappiest place on earth. (laughs) And um, you saw all these parents walking around videoing their kids. Yeah. That's Kronos. You're outside the picture. Kairos is put down the camera and be in the experience. Yeah. Done talking. Your turn. You know, uh, a famous quote by Rose Kennedy is life is mile. It, life is not milestones. It's moments. And that's people have a hard time shifting in honoring moments versus the milestones. Mm. And so I think the biggest 
um, tool I use right now is to, well, sure, we curate their, their, all their photos and curate all their letters and things. But then at that moment, we, we step out of the chronos and I encourage people to go to the Kairos because that really is the meaning in your life. Those are the meaning points. Um, and to recognize it and to honor it and to appreciate. I mean, how many, like you at Disney World, where the parents are taking more photos. You know, I travel a lot. And that's the, the worst situation is with all the iPhones. Everybody pulls out their iPhones now. And instead of absorbing wherever you're at, absorbing the feelings, the emotions, the, the story, they're taking photos. And I don't think they ever experience a Kairos moment when they're at these beautiful locations, historical locations. <coughs> Talk about why that is. Where does that come from? That you're at a beautiful site. You're, you're, you're watching a sunset with your beloved, whatever. And you're videoing it, right? What, what is, what is that? Yeah, that's avoidance. <laughs> it's, it's most of the time you see it because people don't want to feel it. They don't, mm -hmm. they don't want it. They don't want to recognize the emotion or the strength it has within them. And they'd rather do the simple thing and just do the chronos. So you, you reminded me of a tool, so to speak. Go deeper. What's underneath that? Right. So what is that? So, you know, let's play that out. What is underneath that resistance? What are they avoiding even deeper than that? I think they're, you know, um, sometimes Kronos is compared to a time of ego. And Kairos is compared to a time for the soul. And I think people who are avoiding Kairos moments or don't recognize Kairos moments, a lot of that's that. They just don't recognize it. It's because they are not in tune with their soul path. They're not in tune with their why. And maybe their first step before they can even do a shift is to, to discover their why and their purpose and the meaning. And that's what I really believe what's happening. There's kind of a conflict, but now it's opening up more. You know, um, COVID expanded the legacy field, the end of life field, um, the search for meaning field, because people think for almost two years, people, there was no chronos. There was no place to go. There was no time. They were at home a lot by themselves and they had to deal with a different type of time, mm. Kairos. And they had to find meaning in their days that could have been endless days. I mean, we all know what it was like during the COVID isolation. And I think that really started a movement to start appreciating the moment such a such a great insight i hadn't even really stopped and thought about how covid changed our perception of time first of all the other thing i think 
is underneath that, which is related to um, COVID, is mortality. Because I, I, you know, I was thinking about this when I was in the world's uh, crappiest place on earth, and um, <laughs> I don't know why my wife just—it's her happy place. I'm like, what the hell is happy about spending a thousand dollars and waiting in line for three hours to go on one ride where you're hot and your kids are complaining? Okay, that's another podcast. So. I was, I was realizing when somebody was videoing their kid, what they're saying, whether that they're not saying it, they, they, it's underneath the surface is I don't want this to end. I don't want her to grow up. I, I, it makes me sad that this all, not just this ride, this day comes to an end, but this comes to an end. And so I'm going to try and capture it. I'm going to try and capture that. And there's this like scarcity fear. And I do think it relates to our mortality. I think it relates to your sort of focus, you know, death. Yeah, if if um if I was to as you always tell me to go deeper, for me Kairos is extremely spiritual for me. And maybe in some ways um that's what's what's the difficult point of going to Kairos. Maybe some people don't, they don't recognize the spirituality within them. I don't care what faith it is or what religion it is, but the movement of your spirit, of your soul. For me, I call them God moments. Um, we used to teach the kids in Sunday school to go on a God hunt and they were to look for the Kairos moments. We didn't say Kairos to them, but it was a God hunt where they found special moments that brought them, made them stand still for a minute, appreciate just that time. Um, it can be a smile, a smile from a friend, or like you said, go in the backyard in those moments in meditation and contemplation. I think it was Richard Rohr who compared Kairos to um, contemplative prayer where there's the stillness and the silence. Um, and it's, it's the silence and stillness within you. It's inside you. So that's kind of uh, those moments, those Kairos moments you have in your life can really determine your steps forward, your future, your destiny. So they are important. It's just showing people, witnessing them, um, and showing them what a Kairos moments is. And tying it back to our last podcast about soul threads, you know, now that we're talking it through soul threads is all about finding those moments in your past that you carry with you as defining moments, but they're not defining because of where they fell on the chronology they're defining because of this Kairos experience. I was fully present. I, I think one of the, you know, I used was my being with my dad, eight years old, covering him up on the couch, this sort of protector piece of me want. That was a Kairos moment. And then I look at another one at what, 25. And that was a similar example. And I start drawing a line through these Kairos moments. And that starts to tell the, the true why of my life. Yeah, in Kairos moments, I once you recognize it and once you know that emotion, that feeling, you can have several Kairos, Kairos moments a day. And 
but you really need to recognize it as that. Um, I mean, like for you in the last 24 hours, I'm sure you had some type of Cairo. I know it was talking with me as your Kairos moment, but I'm sure there's something in your family or with a, one of your children where it's just riding with your son in the car. There's that special Kairos moment where it doesn't matter what time it is, what day it is. There was just a special moment between you and your son. Totally. And, you know, just for people listening, there's also maybe what we'll call the Kairos killers, right? Those things that terminate Kairos. Like for instance, I was having one of those moments with my son. We were inside the conversation, as you say it, in the car, driving him, which is half of my life these days. And I, I killed the Kairos by going into instruction mode or I turned, I turned whatever we were talking about into something transactional. I attached a doing to it. I don't know what it was. I just remember she flew away. That Kairos just flew away. Yeah. Fleeting. It can be fleeting. Um, there's important too, when I talk to people, like you said, Kronos is the doing, all the doing. There's so much doing around us. People have to learn to the being, to just be, to just be still. When I'm with groups of people, I have now, through your training and your tools, I have learned just to be still and to be there, not to be doing something, but just to sit still and appreciate the moment and what's happening around me and how I feel about it. So that is an important part of Kairos, I think, is just the being. So it's part of it is just the being. Another is to just have a, a knowing or a faith. I like the word knowing of it'll last as long as it lasts. It's here now. It's not mine to control. Right? Just sort of this surrender, I guess, is the word I'm looking for to what it is. Because the moment, you know, like yesterday, when I tried to control the direction of the time, it, it was no, I was on the outside again. And so staying in it and just being like you're saying present and get surrendering, I think are, are really important oh, aspects yeah. of it. It is so when you look at the roots of Kairos, there is some action in there. There is the, the call to action. Isn't that how it's defined in the Greek, the Greek word? I think it's the call to action I forget. in the Bible. Kairos was brought up mostly in the New Testament, so you're probably not familiar with it as much. But, but in the Bible, it's um, I think it's brought up like over 80 to 86 times in the Bible. And one of probably the most uh, memorable for everybody is Ecclesiastics, a time for all seasons. You know, the the verse where it's a time for this, a time to dance, a time to love. That's seasons. That is Kairos, mm -hmm. and you can see where it's it's um, Kairos isn't just about stillness. The stillness happens when you're recognizing the moment, mm -hmm. recognizing the time, but it's also an encouragement. Like I said, it can change your destiny. It can change your pattern, your path in life once you recognize that moment and. Um, find meaning in that moment. 
Beautiful. So, you know, before we wrap up, just one idea that you made me think about is, well, two, two ideas. Um, the Hebrew word for time is zman, and zman means also invitation. And so as we, you know, as we kind of now take this out into the world, really thinking in new ways about time as opposed to killing time, right? Like the worst statement ever said, like all we have, have is time and you know, kill time. But being is time is an invitation to, yes, check the boxes and do the things and, you know, create the structure and take care of your responsibilities. And that's, but that's Kronos. And then an invitation to Kairos, an invitation to this sort of deeper quality of time. And the other thing is, is memory. Because as I always say to people who are grieving, your, your loved one isn't dead. I mean, their body is. But if you're thinking about them, by definition, they're not dead. They're, they're alive and well. It just happens to be in Kairos time, not Kronos time. And so starting to reorient ourselves around our lives, around Kairos is, is truly, it's just life-giving. It's a new way of being in the world. Yeah, and for people looking at Kronos and Kairos in their life, I think what's the first step for them? It would be just, just be still for a minute and recognize what's happening around you and discern. A big portion would be discernment how Kronos and Kairos interacts in your life. Because they do have to work. I mean, we can't, they're not exclusive. They're not separate. We do have to work with Kronos and Kairos. And the big step forward is to learn how to blend those so one doesn't overtake the other. Because I don't think you could live your life 100% in Kairos either time. It just wouldn't be possible in our society. I'd like to. <laughs> but, um, so I think it's the blending and recognizing where your balance is on that. Yeah. And I'll end with, on my side, I'll give you the last word, but um, I do think it's possible. It's called heaven. It's called the next world or wherever we came from. That is a Kairos space or place. We chose to come here. You know, I'm doing a lot of work right now in my newest program, Nine Lives, the spirit of the Enneagram and our soul contract and we came here for a reason. We came here to do work. So we chose to leave Kairos behind for a purpose. So as long as we're here, I think the work is to do our Kronos work here in this flesh suit, but to do it with this healthy aspect of heaven on earth, right? Of, of Kairos and Kronos and finding that balance. It's not easy, but I think that's the work we're here to do. Yeah, that that's a beautiful analogy. That um, I refer to that as a space of grace to hold a space of grace, and I really believe that's a combination of Kronos and Kairos. Probably heavier on the Kairos, but it, it but it it um, holding a space of grace, whether it's either for yourself, your family, or your friends or clients, as I do. Um, it gives people the expansion or the allowance to, to appreciate Kairos and to learn about Kairos, really. Amen, sister. I know. Um, well, if you want to learn more about Kairos and how to bring it into your 
life and to your loved one's life, particularly around the end of life, but also around designing, curating your legacy at any point of your life, reach out to Nancy. What's your website again, Nancy? Uh, CompassRoseLegacy.org. CompassRoseLegacy.org. Or you can always um, reach out to me, uh, DefiantSpirit.org. I don't say www anymore because I got in trouble by Nancy. <laughs> so she's like, she's like what, what decade, what uh, century are you living in? Everybody knows it's www. You're so right. I was like, huh, I guess that's old school. So, yep, you know where to find her. You know where to find me. And hopefully you'll join us um, back we again because I know this is not the last of our podcast journey together as we reimagine legacy and we um, do this work of bringing Kairos to a world of Kronos. Thanks so much, Nancy. Thanks, V. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Defiant Spirit Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Baruch Halevi. If you like what you heard, please consider leaving a five-star review and share this podcast with others. To learn more about the Defiant Spirit, get more inspirational content, or see how we might work together to live your Defiant Spirit, visit DefiantSpirit.org. Until then, take back your power and live your Defiant Spirit.